Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star and splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we are born the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where a death is your victory, where a death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Hi, Uni Church. My name's Mike, one of the pastors here. Uh, not your new pastor. By the way, I got a heart attack when you said that. I thought this is so exciting. But then you broke my heart. That's all right. All right, it'll be really great if you keep your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 15. Um, as we have a look at that, we're going to step our way uh, through that together. Uh, what do you think our bodies are going to be like in eternity? 
Here's a couple of questions that I got asked after last week's sermon. How old will I be in the afterlife? If I'm 70 when I die, will I be raised 70 to eternity? Uh, What if I'm 10? Will I continue to grow in eternity? What will I look like in the afterlife? Uh, Somebody asked that because they recognised that when Jesus rose to life, some of his closest friends didn't immediately recognise him. Uh, Somebody asked, if I've lost a leg in this life, will I have it back at the resurrection? That's a good question because this person had noticed that when Jesus was risen, he still had the scars of the crucifixion. Now, why did I get asked those questions last week? Well, it's because last week uh, we learned something amazing. We learned that Jesus... Uh, Sorry, we learnt that, yeah, like Jesus, God is going to raise us as physical bodies back to physical life for all eternity. We learnt last week that God created PowerPoint clickers that didn't work. There we are. God created the world. It was a physical world. It's this physical world, but Adam ruined it. Adam sinned. And the hope of the Old Testament is that on the last day... God will recreate this world, a new physical world. And more than that, we saw that God is going to physically raise his people from the dead. Now, that was the hope of the Old Testament. And last week in the first part of chapter 15, we saw that this is what is happening. But instead of a last day, last week we discovered that we have the last days We discovered that the resurrection of God's people has already started in the resurrection of Jesus, physically rising from the dead. Uh, Last week we saw that he was the first fruit of the harvest to come and that on the very last day we too shall be physically raised to life just as Jesus was and will experience eternity in a new physical creation. And as soon as we understand that, that will be physically raised just as Jesus was physically raised. Then come all those kind of questions. If I've lost uh, a leg in this life, will I have it back at the resurrection? Because, you know, Jesus still had his scars. Will I be raised the same age uh, that I died? All those kind of questions. They're really logical questions, I think, that come from realising our bodies will be physically raised to physical life. And that's where the Corinthians' mind goes now goes as well. So have a look at verse 35. This is the first verse in tonight's passage. Verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? I.e., with what kind of body will they come? So what is the resurrected body going to be like? That's the question that this passage engages with. It's not going to answer all of the questions that we might have about what our resurrected bodies are going to be like, but it has some amazing things to tell us. So let's dive in. Uh, Firstly, our resurrected bodies are going to be different to our earthly bodies. There we go. Uh, The illustration of this is how... The plant is different to the seed. Look at verse 36. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps a wheat or something else. So a seed is a small brown hard thing that you kind of bury it in the ground, but what emerges is not like another larger seed, but it's something entirely different. A plant. 
The seed that is put into the ground is small, hard and brown. The plant that emerges is large, lush and green, or at least we know that that's the theory of what happens. Most of the time I plant a seed, that is not what happens. But we get the theory, right? We get the picture and it's an illustration of what God is going to do with our bodies. At our death, our bodies will go into the ground as one thing, but on the day of the resurrection, God will raise it as something different as something new, because the resurrection will not be resuscitation. It's new creation. Resuscitation would be where our bodies just kind of come back to life, exactly the same. But the resurrection at the end of time is not going to be a resuscitation. It's going to be new creation. And it's important to grasp that the resurrection will be God creating a new thing rather than God simply resuscitating the old thing. Because all those questions like, you know, if I lost a leg in this life, will I have it back? If I'm 80 when I die, will I be 80 when I'm raised? All those kind of questions often come from thinking that God will resuscitate our bodies rather than recreate. But the resurrection will be an act of new creation, not resuscitation. I actually don't know the answers to all those kind of questions about what age we will be and what exactly we're going to look like, but I do know that the resurrection will be an act of new creation, not simply resuscitation. And that's why our resurrected bodies will be different to these current earthly bodies. Now, we'll talk about how they're different in a minute because the passage goes on to explore that, but first, a side note for those who asked about cremation last week. Cremation is totally fine for a Christian because the resurrection will be an act of new creation, not resuscitation. And God made this first creation out of absolutely nothing. And so he can make the new creation out of nothing as well. And so cremation is no impediment to the God who created this whole world from nothing. He does not need a lot of starting material to recreate us anew on the day of the resurrection. Now, having made the point that our resurrected bodies will be a new creation, it's worth pointing out that our resurrected bodies are still connected to our old earthly bodies. Sure, the the plant is radically different from the seed that it came from. It is a new creation, but it's still connected to the seed, right? It came from the seed. It's the full flourishing of that seed, There's a connection between the plant and the seed that isn't lost when the plant emerges. And it's the same with our resurrected bodies. They're still our bodies, but recreated anew. And so maybe we can write that first point on screen uh, more helpfully like this. Our resurrected bodies will be different, but not disconnected to our current earthly bodies. But the emphasis in this passage is very clearly on the difference, right? Uh, Jump in with me at verse 39. We're going to read this little chunk and notice the repeating stress that God makes all these different sorts of bodies. Verse 39. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another and fish another. There's also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendour of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendour of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendour, the moon another and the stars another. 
and star differs from star in splendour. So his point is that if you look around this first creation, it's pretty obvious that God has the creational bandwidth to make bodies different. And so, verse 42, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. God will raise us as his people different. When I was 22, I could cook one dish and one dish only, quiche. Uh, So if you were coming for dinner, you were getting quiche. And if I was going to make you a meal, you were getting quiche again. Uh, I had limited culinary power. But God does not have limited creative power. He doesn't say, well, I gave you this body in the first creation and I don't know what else to do, so really you're just getting that again in the new creation. No, God is the creator of this world and it's pretty obvious from this world that God didn't just keep making quiche. He made bird bodies and fish bodies and celestial bodies and suns and moons and stars. He made all these different physical things, all these different physical bodies in this world. So we should know that God's creative power is obviously not so limited that our resurrected bodies in the next world is going to be the same as this body in the first. It's not going to be quiche again at the resurrection. So verse 35 down to verse 41 is stressing that our resurrected bodies are going to be different. Different. But it just raises a question, right? How? Like different in what way? Physically different? Spiritually different? Different how? Well, jump in at verse 42 because the answer is coming. Verse 42 So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. Now, here's how we're going to be different. The body that is sown, that is put in the ground, is perishable. It's raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So maybe we can summarise it like this. The difference is that our resurrected bodies will be better than our earthly bodies in every way that matters. The body that is sown, that is buried, is perishable but will be raised imperishable. That is so much better. The older that I get, the more I recognise how perishable this body is. I get a reminder of it now every morning that I look in the mirror More and more, I'm starting to feel a little bit like that banana that was hidden under the apples and has been in the fruit bowl a little bit too long and is now starting to go maybe a little bit soft and is starting to get those brown spots. Why? Because I'm perishable. Take it from someone that's a couple of decades past his best by date. We are perishable. But the resurrected body will be imperishable. How good is that? No more health problems in the new creation. No more sickness, no more pain, no more death. Imperishable. That is such good news. The passage says that this body is sown in dishonour, but it's raised in glory. This body, this person that I am, is under the dishonour and the shame of my sin. But in the new creation, I'm going to be raised in glory without sin and without the ability to sin. I am so looking forward to a new body that does not lead me into sin. 
No more letting other people down. Never again will I feel that horrible, sickening feeling of the shame of my sin. I can't wait for that, actually. That is so much better. This body will be sown in weakness but raised in power. I know this body to be physically and morally weak, but I will be raised in power to overcome those things. So much better. Now, all these comparisons between the body that will be sown on the day of my funeral and the body that will be raised on the last day of the resurrection, they all make sense to me until I get to verse 44. See verse 44? It says, It is sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. That verse used to thoroughly confuse me for years because after spending the first half of chapter 15 convincing the Corinthians that they will be raised physically to physical life with physical bodies. It looks like he gets to verse 44 and then suddenly says they're going to be raised spirits. Uh, But no, that's not what it says. Look closely at verse 44. It doesn't say we're sown a physical body but raised a spirit. It says we're sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. So a body is sown and a body is raised. The physical body that goes into the ground is a natural body. The physical body that is raised on the last day is a spiritual body, meaning it is a body guided and driven and empowered by the Holy Spirit instead of a body that is guided and controlled by our natural sinful tendencies. It's like if I asked you to imagine a steam engine. Can you get that picture into your head? Uh, When we say a steam engine... We don't mean an engine that is made of steam and you can't kind of touch it and it just kind of floats around. I don't think any of us imagined that. Um, Most likely we, we imagined a steam engine, meaning a physical, touchable engine, but it's powered by steam. Well, a spiritual body is like that. It's a it's a physical, touchable body, but it is empowered and driven by the spirit. The body that is sown is powered and driven by our natural, sinful tendencies. The body that will be raised on the last day will be powered by the Spirit to live in obedience to God. That is so much better. So maybe I can summarise it, if the clicker will work for me, in a table. Can you just press the clicker four times? Thanks. Uh, So the body that is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. Thank you. The body that is sown in dishonour will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. It is sown a natural body, meaning one that is led by the natural human tendency to sin, but it will be raised a spiritual body, that is one that is led by the Spirit. Now how much better does column two look than column one? In this life, I experience everything as somebody in column one. I experience this as a body that is perishable and dishonoured, weak, controlled by my natural sinful tendencies and nature. But that's just the seed that is going to be sown. The resurrected body that we will have for all eternity will be so much better. It will be raised imperishable and glorious and powerful and led by the Spirit. Bring that day on. Bring it on. You know, Griffith University just released 
a study showing that just seven minutes, just seven minutes of watching beauty content on social media leads to a significant negative impact on people as they see image after image of unachievable and unrealistic body standards of our culture. Just seven minutes of that to a significant negative impact on us. And each year in Australia, body image is ranked within the top three concerns of young Australians. Think about that. Out of all the things in the world to worry about, body image is consistently in the top three for young Australians. Well, great news. God is concerned to give you the perfect body for all eternity. Not perfect by this world's fleeting beauty standards, but perfect in the things that really, really matter. Imperishable, glorious, powerful, spirit-led, sinless. The best news is we don't even have to go to the gym to get it. It's given to us at the resurrection by God's grace. So if you attach your self-worth or, or how good you feel about yourself to how your physical body looks in this life, you're going to find yourself enslaved to working at it. Always at the gym, always having to watch what you eat, always enslaved to buying beauty products or exercise supplements. Work, 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 work on this perishing thing is so enslaving. But our resurrected bodies are achieved by God's work at the resurrection and it lasts for all eternity. That is so freeing. So don't buy in to this world's obsession, this world's obsession with this perishing body. Now, I'm not saying, you know, don't work out and don't worry about, you know, your cholesterol level and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying don't put your self-worth onto that. Because this body is perishing and you have a much better and perfect body coming, better in all the ways that matter. Can you click it for us, please? So our resurrected bodies will be different, they will be better, and if you hit the the button, not the body, if you hit the button one more time, we will see that our bodies will be suited to eternity in a way that our earthly body is just not. Read with me from verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, this is Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, that's Adam. The second man is of heaven, that's Jesus. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we've borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. So, oh, look at that, I aimed it. Maybe that's it. So if we go back to this table, uh, those two columns, they're represented by two people. They're started by two people. There's Adam... And there's, whoops, oh man, oh man, oh man, there there we go. Hard work, this. These two columns, they're represented or they're started by two individuals, Adam and Jesus, the last Adam. And the thing is, each of them are Adam-like 
in the sense that they're the first member of the new humanity in each of those columns. So Adam is the first member of the humanity uh, in that left-hand column. He's the first human of this creation. And all of those who are born into this world follow him, are in his likeness of his weakness and dishonour and natural tendency to follow our sinful desires. But Jesus is the beginning of a new humanity to be raised on the last day. We currently bear the image of Adam, the earthly man. And the thing is, that makes us unsuited for eternity, for heaven. Look at the next verse, verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood, that's a Jewish phrase meaning humanity in its natural state, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable, which is what we currently are, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So that verse is saying that humanity in that left-hand column cannot inherit the kingdom of God, cannot live in heaven. Like a deep-sea fish who wants to go and live in the desert, we're just not suited to life in eternity. It's not in our nature. But Jesus, the last Adam, is the beginning of a new humanity that is suited for eternity, suited for heaven. And all those that follow Jesus in this life are going to have resurrected bodies in the new creation that are suited to heaven, imperishable and glorious and powerful and spirit-led that we won't sin. And this is one of the reasons why... uh, We can't be saved by doing good things because we can't change our nature from column one to column two just by trying to be a bit more moral. Go ahead and and try and change your body from being perishable to imperishable just by being more good. You can't. We cannot save ourselves. There, There is no salvation apart from the gracious, recreative work of God shifting us from column one to column two. But that's what he will do at the resurrection. Okay, so what will our resurrected bodies be like? Well, they'll be different but not disconnected to our earthly bodies. They'll be better than our earthly bodies and they'll be suited to heaven and eternity in a way that we can't possibly manufacture ourselves. That's amazing. So let's talk about some implications of this. Firstly, the difference this makes to how we think about our death. Jump in at verse 54. These are some of my favourite verses um, in Corinthians. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? I love the kind of mocking phrase there. Where? Where death? Where's your sting? Uh, When we were on holidays in Thailand a few years ago, we went to an insect park and they've got poisonous uh, scorpions, which they've had the sting removed, so they can't actually sting you. So you can hold these things. I still hated it. (laughs) But they can't harm you. The sting has gone. Well, it's, it's the same with death. I still hate it. It's still awful, but the sting has gone. It can't harm us if you're trusting in Jesus. All death can do, if you're trusting in Jesus, is to plant us in the ground 
so that we come up something beautiful on Resurrection Day. So for those of us who are trusting in Jesus, our funerals will be less like burials and more like the sowing of a seed. The body that is sown is perishable, but it will be raised imperishable. It will be sown in dishonour, but raised in glory. Sown in weakness, but raised in power. George Herbert was a minister in the Anglican Church in the 1600s, and he really understood this. He had this great quote. He said, death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. Yeah, there's someone that really understands the Christian vision of 1 Corinthians 15. This is how Christians are to think about our death, that death is like a gardener. I'm going to be sown perishable and weak and dishonoured and in shame, but on resurrection day, raised imperishable and glorious. That is amazing. So it changes for us how we think about our death. And secondly, it also changes how we think about what to do with our lives. Look at the last verse, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Have you ever worked really, really hard on something only for it to mean absolutely nothing? Yeah, like the Ikea bookshelf that you spent three hours putting together only to work out at the end that you installed shelf number one wrong and now you've got to go back and do everything again. All that work for nothing. Or that document that you were working on when your computer crashed and you lost everything. Nothing to show for all of that hard work. That happened to me once. All that work gone when my computer died. But death will do that to all of our labour. Death means, inevitably, that everything that we work on in this life just gets erased, that our labour in life is in vain. Like how many generations do you think? Whatever it is you're going to work on in life or working on now, how many generations do you think that thing is going to last for? One generation? Maybe it'll impact two or three or four at the most. I think most of us are probably going to tap out at one or two. Even the most amazing humans whose labours have impacted the world for generations, you know, people who've made big advances in medicine or invented the light bulb or Velcro shoes or, I don't know, something amazing, when, when everyone is dead at the end of time, there's no lasting impact of those things beyond the grave. In the vast sweep of eternity, it'll be nothing. It's gone. But the resurrection of God's people means that there is one kind of labour that death cannot delete. It's our labour for the Lord. It's it's our labour to see people to come to know Jesus and to grow to maturity in him. And so verse 58 says, Give yourself fully to the Lord's work, for that is never in vain. Your prayers for people to come to know Jesus and for people to grow to maturity in Jesus is not in vain. The fruit of those prayers will last for eternity thanks to the resurrection. Turning up at Hub Group for your personal growth and for the encouragement of others is not in vain because the fruit of that will last for eternity. 
Maybe I can put it like this. You know that little orange form that Jacinta held up with all the different ways that you might kind of serve here at Unichurch to make Jesus known, to see people grow in Jesus. Anything on that little piece of paper that you tick and that you do will have a greater impact in eternity than the invention of the internet. That is amazing. Serving at superhero mania during the week, singing songs or doing plays or or leading Bible study discussions uh, so that kids would come to know Jesus more will have a more lasting impact in eternity than everything that Elon Musk achieves in this life. How encouraging is that? Labouring, he agrees. (laughs) Labouring at running a small but faithful growth group or hub group during the week will have a more lasting impact in eternity than becoming the CEO of a Fortune 500 company that shapes a generation of investors. And so as verse 58 says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour for the Lord is not in vain because of the coming resurrection. Now, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. I don't think means, you know, quit your job and go full-time in those kind of things. It might mean that for some of us. I hope it means that for some of us. But for most of us, it will mean giving yourself abundantly, generously, purposefully, dedicatedly to the work of the Lord because that, that is never going to be in vain thanks to the resurrection because death cannot delete it like a lost document on the computer. So don't pour all of your heart into the things that will eventually perish. That's actually a reason uh, to go to the gym and to be fit, so that you might live long and so that you might labour for the earth, uh, for the Lord here on earth while you've got time. Actually, one of my prayers that I pray at least once a week is that uh, God might sustain me physically so that I might labour for him into my 70s and maybe even into my 80s. That is a great reason to go to the gym and be fit because our labour for the Lord is not in vain. So what will our resurrected bodies be like? Are they going to be different but not disconnected to our earthly bodies? They're going to be better than these earthly bodies in every way that matters and they're going to be suited to eternity in a way that our bodies currently are not. That's the great hope for God's people of the resurrection. And it changes how we think about our death And it changes how we think about the kinds of things that we might do with our life. So with that stuff in mind, let's pray together. Our Father, in this life, when we feel the perishability and the weakness or the dishonour and shame of our bodies that are driven by our natural sinful desires, please give us peace, please give us a longing for the resurrected bodies that you will give us when Christ returns bodies that will be raised imperishable and glorious and sinless and fully empowered by your spirit. Lord, in this life, protect us from our culture's idolising of this physical perishable body and help us set our hearts and minds and hopes on the resurrection to come. And Father, please have this hope change the way that we feel about our perishable bodies in this age. Please make us different in ways that are informed by our hope of the resurrected body that will be glorious and sinless. And please help us to be able to say about our death, oh death, where is your sting? 
And please help us to live lives abundantly labouring for the Lord, knowing that that will never be in vain because of the resurrection to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.